Now tonight, would you silence every other voice, silence the enemy's voice, silence the voice of work and, and distractions and all that stuff, and instead, would you give us the ability to focus right in on you? And I ask you to release gifts of the Holy Spirit in this place tonight. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. For those who are even watching online, right where you are, release gifts of the Holy Spirit. Empower us to do and be what you have called us to do and be. Don't let us be the same leaving the doors of this building. Change us tonight. All across campus, move. Touch our youth over in the Life Center right now. The same spirit we're asking to move here, would you move over there? The same gifts we want released here, would you release those gifts over there and up with Pastors Troy and Anissa with our kids ministry. Tonight, Jesus, do what you do and be glorified in it. In your name, Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. Wonderful. Well, after the chipmunk opening, y'all can be seated. <laughs> in case you don't know what the question is tonight, the question that we're going to be talking about tonight, and we're going to be talking about a little bit next week, is how do I give someone a message from God? So we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit, and if you were here on week one, Robert Madu opened it up, and it was really talking about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Sam was laying out for you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be focusing in on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit listed, but there are more gifts than that in the New Testament, there are more gifts than just those nine. The word charisma, charismata, those gifts, they pop up in different places in the New Testament. But for our purposes in this series, we're going to be focusing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on those nine. But listen, what we're not doing is we are not just telling you what those gifts are. That's great to know what those gifts are. Pastor Sam's done some great series on those and you can look those things up on our website. I know we've got, we've got series that are archived and so forth. But we don't want to just talk about what those gifts are so that you know what they are. We want to talk about how they actually practically function in this place and in your life, where you are, whether you're working, whether you're at home, in your small group, wherever you are, how do the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through you? And tonight we're going to focus in on a couple of key gifts and we're not going in the order that you'll see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and there's a reason for that. Tonight we're going to be focusing in on the gifts of tongues and prophecy. The reason that we're going to focus there is because that's where most people have their initial questions about gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to Grand Rapids first, you're new to a church that believes that the gifts of the Spirit still do function, if you're new to that, you might have a lot of questions about things like, what about speaking in tongues? What about that kind of stuff? So we're going to be talking about those gifts tonight, and then we'll unpack some of the other ones in the weeks to come as well. But I want to read that passage just to remind you what it says, and then I'll tell you where we're going to focus in tonight, and we're going to get intensely practical tonight. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 4, says there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. Depending on your translation, it might say word of wisdom or word of knowledge. So to another is given a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. Notice how often he says that. It's one God. It's that same Spirit. He's the one who distributes all of them. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, in the church in Corinth, what was going on, and the reason why the Apostle Paul even writes this passage, is that they were experiencing these gifts of the Spirit, but they were really focused in on one, which was speaking in tongues. And it seems like what they were doing was thinking that since we're speaking in the language of angels, just like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So it seems like they were thinking, because we can speak in these heavenly languages, we must have arrived. We must have arrived at the goal. We are spiritual people. And so they were all speaking in tongues. They weren't paying attention to one another. There was no emphasis on, hey, what does this mean for the church body? It was, I've arrived, I speak in tongues. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, it's great that you speak in tongues, but there are other gifts, and I want you to be able to handle these gifts with wisdom. I want you to be able to, to experience what the Spirit has for you, but I want you to do it with wisdom. So we had the chipmunks, and now we have the fly. So if I smack this pulpit at a certain point, just ignore it. I'm just sending someone to be with his creator. That's all. Now, when we go through these gifts of the Spirit in the coming weeks, I just want to give you a heads up on something. Gifts of the Spirit, these gifts are like colors of the rainbow. So, you know, there's different colors of the rainbow, but if you look at a rainbow, you cannot necessarily tell where one color ends and the next color begins. There's a little bit of overlap. You can tell they're different colors, but sometimes they bleed into each other a little bit, and you're going to experience that over the coming weeks because that's what gifts of the Spirit are like. Tonight, we're going to be talking about tongues and prophecy, but next week, we're going to be talking more about words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and that kind of stuff, and you're going to notice next week that you're going to hear a little bit of overlap because they're different gifts, but they just kind of bleed together just a little bit, so don't be surprised by that when you see that. And, um, and tonight, like I said, we're going to focus in on tongues and prophecy. Now, if you've got questions about Holy Spirit baptism, I'm not going to be talking about Holy Spirit baptism tonight. I would really encourage you. You could go back a couple of weeks on YouTube or wherever our social media stuff is, and you can see what Pastor Robert Madu had to say about it. But I'll tell you what a really good, if you've got a lot of questions about spirit baptism, really good would be Tim Enlow. He was here back in 2020. I think it was still during pandemic season when y'all weren't in the building, but he was in the building. But it was a great message that just practically lays out an understanding of baptism in the Holy Spirit and how does tongues relate to baptism in the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. You can, I know it's out there on YouTube. Just look for Tim Enlow and that message I think will empower you more than anything I could say tonight because I really want to get to focus in on the gifts that we're going to talk about tonight. So I'd encourage you to check that out by Pastor Tim Enlow. All right, so first, 
let's talk a little bit about the gift of tongues and what it means in the church body. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I want you to jump forward a couple of chapters to 1 Corinthians 14. What the Apostle Paul does for the church in Corinth is he starts in 1 Corinthians 12 and he's naming what these gifts are and kind of laying out his argument for how they need to be handled and what the spirit should be behind them, which ultimately is love. And the words he used here in 1 Corinthians 12 were the common good. So gifts of the spirit aren't just for me to feel super spiritual or just for me to be built up. It does do that. But gifts of the Spirit are for the common good, so God gives a gift to you so that you can give the gift away. That's why God gives you the gift, and it's true inside the context of the church, but he also gives you gifts of the Spirit for giving away outside the context of the church. But I want to focus in on tongues here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'm going to pick up at verse 2. So Paul writes and says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue, in the context of the church, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. So there are two functions here for tongues, and one of them is this, tongues benefit believers privately. So when Paul writes these words, and remember, they thought tongues was it. It was a sign that they had arrived. So the more you speak in tongues, the more people hear you, the more they know you've arrived. The Apostle Paul saying, yeah, I want you to speak in tongues, but just understand when you speak in a tongue, but there's no interpretation, it's you and God. Nobody else can understand what you're saying, so there's no benefit to them. You edify yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. You edify yourself, but you're not edifying anyone else around you in the context of the church. If you read 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about praying with the Spirit, and he talks about praying with the understanding. So the implication being, when he's praying in the Spirit in other tongues, he doesn't understand with his human mind what he's saying, but his Spirit is being edified. He is speaking mysteries by the Holy Spirit to God, and his Spirit is being edified. So there are times when he will pray with the Spirit, and he doesn't know what he's saying, but he knows that he's partnering with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And then there are other times when he will pray with the understanding. And I'll tell you this, can I just throw this in there? I know a lot of times people talk about praying in the Holy Spirit, and they just are talking about praying in other tongues. Can I just encourage you that, yes, that's true, praying in other tongues is praying in the Holy Spirit, but you can be just as Holy Spirit-led praying in English as you can be praying in other tongues. So you can also be out of the Holy Spirit praying in English too, or you could be like the Corinthian believers praying in other tongues and it's more about you and people thinking you're spiritual than it is about really God. So you can pray in the Spirit without understanding, but you can also pray in the Spirit with understanding because it's about partnering with the Holy Spirit and letting Him guide your prayers. So clearly, there's a time for praying in a language that my human mind doesn't understand, and there's a time to pray in English. But, but why tongues, anyway? Why does God give the gift of tongues? And I know this is, a, this is a really big subject. There are entire books that get written on this topic. But in essence, there's a couple of key reasons that come to my mind as to why God decides to use tongues in that way anyway. One is, when I pray in another tongue, I am tasting of the powers of the age to come. Hebrews 6 talks about that. It's like the age to come, not this age that's characterized by fallenness and sinfulness and so forth, 
But the age to come in the fullness of the Spirit and the fullness of everything that God is, when we grasp his fullness, that's the age to come. And it's like we're reaching into that age by the Spirit and we're pulling part of it into this age and we're tasting of those powers. Tongues and the ability to partner with the Spirit like that in prayer is tasting of the powers of the age to come. That's one reason why God uses it. But there's another reason too. You read Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, you'll notice that they spoke in tongues and there were a bunch of different people from a bunch of different places who spoke a lot of different languages and all of those people heard the tongue speaking but they heard stuff in their own language. They heard praise being given to God in their own language. Tongues is a sign of the multi-ethnic, multi-racial nature of the gospel. So when that was happening on, in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, God was doing a lot of things, but one of the things he was saying was, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's gonna be men, women, young, old, rich, poor, and every tribe, tongue, and nation. So when you see tongues, even in the context of a church setting, it's always a reminder to us that God is after everyone, that God wants everyone. It's the multi-ethnic, multi-racial nature of the gospel that you see when you see the gift of tongues in operation whether it's for public or whether it's even somebody that's just edifying themselves. So one of the benefits of tongues for believers, it's, it benefits you as an individual. It builds you up and edifies you. But there's a second benefit to the gift of tongues as well. And it's this, interpreted tongues benefit the church. So if there's uninterpreted tongues that I'm speaking in, that benefits me and edifies me and blesses me. But when a tongue is given in the context of a church body and it's interpreted, then it benefits the whole body. Uh, verse 13 in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Otherwise, verse 16, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, how can they say amen to your thanksgiving? They don't know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified. So for me, praying in other tongues and edifying myself isn't something that I'm just gonna be walking around doing here, it's just me and God. But in the context of the church, he says, you need to have these things interpreted. He doesn't rule them out. He's gonna say later in this chapter, don't forbid people to speak in tongues, don't do that. Just do it in a way that edifies and blesses the entire body. If there's gonna be a tongue that's spoken in the context of the church, Somebody needs to pray that they can interpret that tongue, that they can interpret what it says so that not just you get edified, but everybody else in the church context get edified, gets edified as well. Now, the church in Corinth, a little bit different than our church. I think what happens sometimes is when we read the Bible and we read particularly things like this, the New Testament churches, we're used to church in this context. We're used to this worship center and I know this is a very big place and there's a lot of people and we're used to this excellent worship team that leads from week to week. We're used to this kind of stuff. Church in Corinth was different. Uh, they didn't meet in a big worship center like this. Probably met house to house. They were house churches. So you know those as small groups. They knew that as church. But what we do is we superimpose our concept of church onto what it, what it looked like in Corinth. But it looked a little bit different. So it was much smaller, it was much more personal, and so when there were tongues given and so forth, it was probably pretty personal, it was probably pretty intimate. But they still had to administrate those gifts because even in the context of the small setting, they weren't handling it like they needed to. 
But I want to tell you how we administer the gifts here at Grand Rapids first, because it would be one thing to be in a small church context in Corinth where I'm meeting in someone's house. It's another thing to be in a worship center like we are in with, on a Sunday morning, thousands of people here. So if tongues is gonna operate in the context of Grand Rapids first, here's what would happen. If someone feels like they have a tongue that is to be interpreted, you know, when the time is appropriate, they can bubble up right where they are, right out in the midst of the congregation. And if somebody does that, you hear somebody speak forth, speaking in tongues and so forth, it's perfectly fine, perfectly biblical, nothing to be nervous about. But then you're probably going to see Pastor Sam come up on the platform because if that's going to happen, the Apostle Paul says if it's going to be meaningful, got to be an interpretation. At that point, Pastor Sam would come up, and what we would do is we'd change the course of the service so we can wait to see if someone has, they feel that they have the interpretation to the tongue that's just been given. And then a person, sometimes it's the person who actually spoke in the other tongue, sometimes it's someone else. If someone feels they have the interpretation, they would come down maybe to me right down here or Pastor Tim or any one of the pastors really and say, this is what I think the Lord is saying. This is what I think the interpretation of the tongue is. And together, we would be processing that. We're trying to hear the Holy Spirit just like everyone else is, just like you are. And we would process that and say, does that really bear witness to our spirit? Does that bear witness to what's going on? Is that a word for the entire body? And at that point, if we said, yeah, we really feel like the interpretation of the tongue has been given, pastor would stop the service again, and he would come to us, and we would, you'd see it on the mic, and the interpretation would be given. And the entire church body would be able to benefit. That's how we do it here at Grand Rapids First. And, you know, it hasn't happened here for a little while, but we always love the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But you know what? And I know I say that hadn't happened here in a little while, but I really believe that the gifts of the Spirit should be even more common in the private places where you are than in this church body on a Sunday morning. We want it active here on Sunday morning. Not saying we don't want those gifts in operation, but I would be happier if we heard that you were operating in the gifts right where you were, in your small group, in your home, on your, on your place of work, I would rather hear that than just have it here. Because sometimes we get the idea that when we come to this place, now the Spirit can really move. And the Holy Spirit's saying, yes, I can really move, but you have no idea what I could do through you right where you are. And we're gonna be talking about that tonight a little bit more. So that's what tongues does. And that's how it would be administrated in the context of Grand Rapids First. But now I want to focus in on what I really want to zero in on tonight, which is the gift of prophecy. And I want to talk about that gift both for here, in this room, but also in the private place of your life. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. It's not negating tongues. He loves it. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. Now, verse 21 starts an interesting section that I think a lot of people read through because it's part of their Bible reading plan, but they don't exactly know what these next phrases mean, so they get to the other side of it and where they feel like they can understand stuff again. But we're going to slow down and help you understand what's really going on right here, verse 21. In the law, it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. 
But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Some of y'all, when you came into churches where there was prophecy or tongues or whatever for the first time, you thought these people are out of their minds. I know, when the first time I walked into a Pentecostal church, um, I thought, this is an interesting bunch of people. They were all praying out loud at the same time. The, the, the preacher got up to, to pray for the offering, and he said, let's pray, and I thought everybody's going to bow their heads and just he was going to pray. I couldn't hear a, a word he was saying because everybody in the room was praying at the top of their lungs. And I thought, you're not supposed to do that in church. You're talking over the preacher. You know, we don't do that stuff. You know, and then there were gifts of the Spirit that started and whatnot, and you know, there was a part of me that was like, this is really, really odd. But then there was that little thing in me that said, but there's something authentic about what I'm seeing and experiencing here. Some of you have been in that position of an inquirer or an unbeliever where you came in and you saw something and you thought, these people must be out of their minds. Paul says if you're, they come in and everybody's speaking in tongues, they're going to think you are out of your mind. Verse 24, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down, worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now let me slow down and tell you what this means. When I got to verse 21 and it said, in the law it's written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I'll speak to this people. But even then they won't listen to me, says the Lord. Paul is quoting Isaiah 28. But what's going on in Isaiah 28 is not good, it's negative. It's a judgment passage. So he quotes this judgment passage from Isaiah chapter 28, and then he says, tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. What happens in Isaiah 28 is God says to his people basically, listen, as a sign of my judgment, I'm gonna now let people who don't speak your language rule over you, and every time you hear them speak to you in a different tongue that you don't speak, you're gonna know that my judgment is upon you. And the Apostle Paul says, when people come into the context of your church body and everybody's just speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation, it is like judgment to them. They do not get to experience the Spirit. They think that you are crazy. There's no interpretation. There's nothing they can respond to. And because they can't, they feel like they are on the outside and they are on the outside. They're gonna think you're crazy. It's gonna feel like judgment. It is a sign for them, but it's not a positive sign. It is a negative sign. It's a negative sign for them. So listen, here's, here's the lesson that we need to take away. The way that we use spiritual gifts can attract people or it can drive them away. It's true in this place and it's true in the context of your private life too. Paul actually cared about what happened in the context of their church service. I've known people who have thought the wilder and crazier a service is, the more God must have been moving. The more wild stuff happened, oh, God was really working tonight. Well, maybe, or maybe there was just a whole lot of disorganization going on. Paul actually cared about it, said when people come into the context of your worship service, whether it's a small house church or a church like this, when they come in, they don't need to have a chaotic experience. It matters how you worship. 
you need to take into consideration not just what you want or what you think you need, but other people that are going to be around you. The way that you handle the gifts of the Spirit can either drive them away or it can attract them. And that's why he says, I don't want just indiscriminate tongues going on. I want you to prophesy in the language of the people. And when that happens, they understand. And he goes on and tells what happens. So a prophecy is in the language of the people, whereas speaking in other tongues is another tongue. Now let me tell you how that would work here in the context of Grand Rapids first. And you've seen it. In fact, there was a word given this past Sunday morning. You've seen it where someone will come down and they'll say, you know, I really feel like I have a word from the Lord and here's, here's what it is. And whether it's Pastor Tim or me or whoever, we are trying to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit right along with them and discern what's going on. And God, what are you doing? And, and you know, I'll just tell you what, what's happening behind the scenes is, is I'm always praying, okay, Jesus, I need to have your heart and know where you're going with stuff to the best of my ability. And there are times when people will come down with a prophetic word uh, and and I, I will just know, yes, that's right on, and I think that we should go ahead with it. There are other times they'll come down, and I might feel like the word is from the Lord, but I feel like maybe it's just a word for them, that they're hearing genuinely from the Holy Spirit, but that's not really for the entire body. That tends to be more one that's just for you. There have been other instances, too, where I've just had the sense of the Holy Spirit that, Pastor Sam's going to do something. He's going to take this in another direction. He's doing something. We need to just hold it and wait. And almost without fail, when that happens, he ends up giving the same exact prophetic word that would have been given by the person. So if you were to come down with, a, with what you believe to be a word from the Lord, we will process that. And when you see somebody who doesn't give the word, if you see them coming down, it's probably that you know what, maybe that was just a word for you, or maybe it's, you know what, Holy Spirit's moving in a different direction, email that word to me, because we may come back around to it again. It's right, but it's right for another season. There are a lot of different things that are, are going on, and so sometimes you will see that. I've had pastors on staff come with a word, and I've heard what the word is, but I've even asked the pastors, hey, hold on to that. That's not for right now, because you know what happens in the context of a worship service? When you're worshiping the Lord and the Holy Spirit just feels like it's thick as can be in this room, it's like everybody starts pinging off what God is doing. You know, this one can feel it. This one can sense it. And sometimes I've had people come to me and say, oh, I have a word from the Lord. This is what he's doing right now. And I'll probably say, hold on to that word because I don't want to stop what the Lord is doing so he can tell us what he's doing. How about you just keep doing what you're doing, Jesus? But what's, what's happening People are pinging off what the Holy Spirit is doing. They're genuinely tuned in to what's happening in the moment. It just may not be a prophetic word that needs to come forth. So that's what's happening down here. We want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want to engage the prophetic. And, and that's how we administrate it here at Grand Rapids First. But I want you to zero in on one line here. Paul says, when they come into the church and there's prophesying, they're convicted of sin, brought under judgment, as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. Now, I would venture to say that if you've been at Grand Rapids First for a long time, the words that are given here on a Sunday morning, uh, they may be hitting the hearts of a few people, like, wow, that's really just my life right now. That really hits me right where I am, and that's good. But I think there are probably a number of us who say, yeah, we love seeing the prophetic, but I don't necessarily remember 
all the prophetic words that are given because it just felt a little more generalized because the room's bigger, you know, and God does it. He uses it, but it made me feel a little bit more generalized for you. But Paul says, now remember the context he's writing to, a very small church meeting in a house. Can you imagine how targeted and intimate those words could be? You got 8, 10, 12, maybe 15 people, I don't know, in a house church. The prophetic words could be very targeted and very intimate, which is why I believe that prophecy is powerful in the context of the church, but even more powerful in your context, where you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and you can say, here's what I hear God saying, and it's a thing where the Holy Spirit shows them the secrets of their heart, they're laid wide open and they go, oh my goodness, you just, you just read my mail. You truly are hearing from God. And they can fall down on their knees, as it were, and say, yeah, I'm experiencing the Holy Spirit. So it's not just for Sunday, but it's also for the, for the world that you can operate in the prophetic out in the context where you are. Now, let me give you a word of caution here. Prophecy works well out in the context of your world. Tongues does not. Okay? You need to pray in tongues in your private place. You can pray in tongues while you're driving to work or whatever. So when we say we want you to function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you stand up in the middle of your office and you start going, you know, untie my bow tie, hop in the Honda stuff, right there in the context of your office, <laughs> HR is going to come and kindly take you away, okay? Don't do tongues and interpretation in your office, okay? And don't think, oh, no, Jesus is going to do, this is going to be an amazing story. It'll be all over the news how I spoke in tongues. There'll be some news, but it's not going to be good news. Okay, so tongues, that's a church deal. That's a private house deal. That's your, that's your prayer time deal. Prophecy is a little bit different because just like the Apostle Paul said, it's in the language of the people, and because of that, you can actually communicate with people and you can read their mail and give them something that reads the secrets of their heart. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like God's telling secrets on everybody. You ever meet someone real spiritual and you thought, that person can just read my mind. They know every sin that I'm committing. That's not the kind of stuff that, I mean, God can do, reveal sin, stuff like that. But I think God tends to be a little bit more gracious and gentlemanly with us. So when he says the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, he's saying you can get down into the intimate details of their life and they'll be amazed because they'll know that you have heard from the Holy Spirit. And I've had this happen to me. So my wife and I received an amazing prophetic word right over there, which is, we used to sit in that section uh, right by where Gordy and Jean are sitting. In fact, that might be my seats, our seats right there. Those are some anointed seats, I'm telling you. And go blue. Okay, that's just between me and you. So right, right over there, right by those events, uh, a person who I think was an elder at the time pulled us aside and said, hey, the Lord showed me something. I want to share this word with you. And he gave a prophetic word to us. And in the moment, our spirits bore witness to it. And it didn't come to pass immediately. But we knew we had been given a legitimate prophetic word. And it related to where we are and what we're doing right now. It was something where it was just the three of us in that little circle, but the secrets of our heart, what was going on, what God wanted to do was laid out for us. We resonated with it. And we're walking in the fulfillment of that prophetic word right now. And God wants to use you to do that same thing. He wants to use others to give you prophetic words, but he also wants to use you to give prophetic words to other people. And that's what I want to zero in on right now. What does prophecy do, first of all? If you're going to give a prophetic word, 
what is it gonna contain in it? Well, first of all, prophecy does two big things, two big things when you give a prophetic word. One, prophecy communicates God's future plans. Someone gives a prophetic word, one of the things that it could be communicating is God's future plans. You read the book of Acts chapter 11, there's a prophet named Agabus named there, and he, um, he predicts by the Holy Spirit a famine that's gonna happen in the Roman world, and it actually did come to happen. So God communicated something that was gonna happen in the future. There's another one that I like even better in 1 Timothy. You're not gonna see it on the screen here, but in 1 Timothy chapter one, Paul establishes Timothy as the pastor in Ephesus. But then he writes a letter to Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy chapter one, verse 18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, and so forth. So the Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, at one time you received a prophetic word that told you this is what you're supposed to do, this is the ministry I've called you to. Don't forget that prophetic word because if you stand on that word, knowing that God's called you to do and be what you're doing and being and where you are, then you can fight the good fight of faith. That was God communicating to uh, Timothy, these are my future plans for you. You are called to do this. And he's looking back on it now. Remember what you heard before, that prophetic word communicated what his future plans were, and now you're there. You can stand on the power of that word. Prophecy communicates God's future plans. But another key thing that prophecy does is it communicates God's present priorities. His present priorities. So in Acts chapter 18, there's a time when the Apostle Paul is in trouble and he had been stoned. Uh, they tried to stone him to death back in Acts chapter 14 and he was afraid that this was gonna happen again. So in Acts chapter 18, it says that the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack and harm you. Uh, for many people in this city belong to me. God's communicating miraculously to the Apostle Paul what his present priorities are right now. He can communicate what he's got planned for the future, but also his present priorities. Those are the two big things that prophecy communicates to people. So you say, okay, that's great. I'm glad that I know that, that I can give a prophetic word. First Corinthians talks about what it's gonna be like. You know, uh, It's gonna give strength, encouragement, and comfort. Okay, that's wonderful, but how do I know if I've got a prophetic word? How do I know? How does God speak to us? Well, I'll tell you, he speaks to us in all the same ways that he spoke in Scripture. He speaks to us in all of those ways. First of all, Scripture itself, that's foundational. He speaks his greatest revelation to you is gonna come through Scripture. So that's the first way that he speaks. But he also speaks in other ways. He speaks in an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God, unless you count my wife, in which case I've heard the audible voice of God in female form. He does speak the audible voice of God. I've never experienced it, but I know credible people who have. They've heard the audible voice of God. There's the audible voice in your ears only. It's like, boy, that was like, a, I, like I heard that voice out loud, but you're the only one that heard it. There are angels. God still does give angelic visitations and so forth, communicates through them. Appearances of the Lord, where the Lord will actually appear to people, sometimes in dreams, visions, you know, there's a scripture in Exodus where it says, no one can see me and live, 
you know, and in that context, he was dealing with his people at Mount Sinai. But there are passages in Scripture where God did appear to people, and they lived, and they got a message from him. He does appear to people in a variety of ways. And as a matter of fact, the resurrected Jesus himself appeared to many people. So he appears to people. And then, of course, there's dreams and there's visions. Sometimes people will put a fleece before the Lord. He speaks in all the same ways that you see him speaking in Scripture. I'm not saying they're always common, but he hasn't stopped behaving the way that he behaved in Scripture. He speaks in all of those ways. So what, is, what does that voice sound like when I get a prophetic word? Well, let me just give you a very simple definition of what prophecy is. It, and this comes from a, a scholar, charismatic scholar named Wayne Grudem. And there's just no better way for me to say it. It's a message God spontaneously, spontaneously brings to mind. A message that God spontaneously brings to mind. Now, we tend to look for the spectacular, okay? I say to the North Point students, we get all holy ghosty, you know, where we think it's, ooh, and we, you kind of get that feeling that we're just going to, it's going to be this amazing moment, and the hair on the back of your neck is going to stand up, and you won't be able to stand. You know, and there are powerful times when you feel God's Spirit in amazing, strong, overwhelming ways, but I will tell you that for the most part, the way God speaks prophetically through everyone that I know is he just brings something spontaneously to mind. Remember at 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah wants to see God, and, and God says, okay, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks came loose. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in that either. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Okay? And after the gentle whisper, God had Elijah's attention. He's like, now you can listen to me. God does speak in spectacular ways, but most often he comes in a way that makes it easy for us to dismiss it or easy for us to reject it. You're waiting for the shout, and God's been whispering to you the whole time, trying to speak to you. So you know what? I want to encourage you with something. Pay attention to the random thoughts that come to your mind. Start to pay attention to the thoughts that run through your head. Now, I'm not saying that every thought that comes to your mind is a prophetic word, but I am saying that I believe that you've had thoughts come to your mind that were words from God and you just dismissed them because you just thought that was you or that was the sausage you ate or whatever, but it was the whisper of the Holy Spirit, really. Pay attention to those random thoughts. God speaks to those, listen, who are paying attention with a heart to hear him. There's an amazing passage in John chapter 12, verse 28. It says, Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. I wish I could do a deep God voice, you know, like a James Earl Jones voice. That's my James Earl Jones right there. Yeah, that's true. That's my James Earl Jones voice. It's intimidating, isn't it? I know, I know. So God says, I have glorified it and will glorify it. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Or some of them said, oh, an angel must have spoken. You know what lesson I take from this? Even if God speaks in a spectacular way, if you don't have a heart to hear him, all you're going to hear is thunder. All you're going you're to miss it. Instead of the person who's tuned in and looking for it, 
and able to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit. So how does he speak to people? Let me just give you a few quick things. Sometimes it'll be a sentence fragment or a sentence that runs through your head. One time I was leaving to go do a wedding. I'm all dressed up in my suit. It's a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. I got to go do this wedding. I'm walking out the door of my house and a sentence runs, sentence runs through my head that says, go check your son's phone. And you would think, what are you kidding me? I got to go do a wedding. But that sentence ran through my head and I grabbed a hold of it and walked upstairs and said, give me your phone. Guess what? I needed to look at my son's phone. Pay attention to those random thoughts. God will speak to you in sentences or sentence fragments. Here's another one. You just know. You just have a knowing. You know something. Some of you guys think, how does my wife know so much? How come she just knows? Or my wife's got this really good intuition. Well, you know, it may not be intuition. That may be a gift of the Holy Spirit operative in her that's just not developed. She just doesn't know it. Or you may not, but you, there's the knowing. I just know something. There are impressions. I just have an impression about something. Sometimes it's pictures. I know Pastor Ken and I both get pictures. One time I was standing right here on the platform because we were just coming out of worship on a Sunday morning and a picture flashed through my mind and it was that quick. And the picture was of a person taking one step and all I knew was I need to say this. God is saying that you need to take a step and on his grace and mercy, he will be right there as soon as you take that first step. And I said those words and what I didn't realize was I was getting that picture and at the same time, the Holy Spirit saying to Pastor Sam, you need to give an altar call. So I say those words and my, my eyes are closed and I say that and I'm pointing and I think I was actually pointing at one of the people that the Lord was, was zeroing in on and all of a sudden I opened my eyes and Pastor Sam is standing right here and about sent me straight to the moon. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. But that was just grabbing a hold of that picture. God will give you a picture and you might think, where did that picture come from? And you know, maybe it is spicy pizza at night, but maybe it's not. Grab a hold of those pictures. Grab a hold of those phrases, those fragments, those impressions, the things that it just feels like I know something because God may be giving you a prophetic word to give to someone else. And the way that you know that it's God is like, does this line up with Scripture? If it does, yeah, that's good. What's the character like? You know, then when God speaks to us, it's that calm, authoritative voice. Now, I've told people before, even when the Lord corrects me, he never yells at me. Now, that may not make sense to you, but I know the way that God speaks to me. And I've had God correct me about stuff, but if I could put it just in human terms, God has never yet yelled at me. He just speaks with a calm, authoritative voice. Is that what that voice sounds like? Or is it that frantic voice because that's somebody else's voice? It's just a calm, authoritative voice. It's always going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? When God speaks to you, it's going to be higher than your thoughts. I never would have thought of that, God. Don't dismiss it. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to the cross, and they said, no, you're not going to the cross. We rebuke that kind of stuff. Jesus was telling them what he was supposed to do and the disciples couldn't receive it because Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways aren't mine, mine are higher. When God speaks to us, it has that calm, authoritative, divine wisdom that just brings the peace and fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you're gonna give a prophetic word, I just wanna give you a few quick, simple things. First of all, would you please be normal? Don't be spooky. Don't be shaking shaking and grabbing, oh, don't do that they're not going to hear what you say they're going to endure you and then go away and say that person's crazy 
Would you just be normal? Jesus never freaked anybody out. He went to talk to the woman at the well. She didn't say, that dude's weird. He's acting spooky. He just acted normal and had a conversation with her and yet conveyed prophetic stuff to her. Be normal. Be humble. And when I say that, I mean, don't approach people like, you got to do what I say. I'm hearing from God. Okay? Give them the freedom to accept or reject it or whatever. You just be humble and be kind. Don't be an angry prophet. Hey, sometimes you read the Old Testament and the prophets were really rebuking. But you don't have to do that. You can just lovingly convey the message and then leave the results up to God. And you know what? Here's how I'd give a prophetic word. I would say, you know what? I've been thinking about you, praying about you, and I really feel the Lord might have something that, that I'm supposed to share with you. Is it okay if I share that with you? And you know what? If, if it means something to you, great, but if it doesn't, just let go of it. It could be too much pizza for me or whatever. Or maybe, you know what, I really feel the Holy Spirit may have laid something on my heart for you, and I'd love to share it with you if that's okay with you. And again, you know what, if, if it means something to you, wonderful. If not, just let it go. You know, I'm trying to hear God's voice. I'm not perfect at it. That's all you have to do. Over at that wall, it, could, it was just, you know what, I just really, really think the Lord is saying. It was a powerful prophetic word, but it wasn't an angry prophet in my face or anything like that. It was just a humble word given in grace. And the Holy Spirit will take it from there and do amazing things through you. But I'm really convinced that there are a lot of you that have had those words come to you and you didn't know it because you weren't paying attention. Pay attention to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to pray for you all in just a moment here. And I want pastors and elders and folks to begin to come forward and, and to pray because we want to pray for a couple of key things tonight before we leave the doors of this building. One is... We just want to pray for whatever needs there may be that you have. You know, last week or the week before, I think somebody actually got healed here. And there may have been other healings that have gone on as well. Whatever's going on with you, we want to be able to pray for you. Now listen, if you're like sickly and can give stuff away, why don't you just keep that right back there? We'll pray for you from a distance. Jesus can heal you right there. But seriously, if there are things in your life, we want to pray for you. But the other thing we want to pray for is this. If you really want to experience the Holy Spirit and have him work through you, I want you to come forward and I want you to ask these people to pray for the release of prophetic gifts in your life. It's not weird, it's not kooky, it's not odd, it's perfectly normal. Jesus wants us to expect it. And so would you just stand with me in this moment? So Holy Spirit, I know that in this room there are going to be people who uh, there are different needs that they have, and maybe it is that they need a healing. Maybe there's something else that they need. Maybe there's marriages that are broken. I don't know what's going on, but in this moment, I'm asking you to show up in miracle power and touch your people. But Lord, I'm also asking tonight that as people come, as we pray together, would you begin to release prophetic gifts of the Holy Spirit through us? Would you break down walls of hesitation and fear and instead open us up to the power of your Spirit? We want to be people walking in your power. We don't want to be the same. So would you release something in us tonight, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus.